My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her, I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. Mm-hmm. But it's an empty road. I feel so. Patriots. And today is January the 11th in the year 2024. I seldom ever admit this, but yeah, today's my birthday. And it's a pretty special day on so many levels. It's just um, one of those days you really reflect on where you came from and your parents and where you are and those people around you. And I can honestly say that in my life, this is probably one of the best birthdays just by nature of where we are, what we have been building, that walk that we're all pursuing with Jesus and um, just the whole state of the time in which we live. It's, it's truly phenomenal. So I see in chat a lot of happy birthday wishes and thank you very much. Very humbled. And it's just uh, a, just a very, very wonderful day. In fact, it's very cool because later this morning, uh, there's a special cafe and pastry place, bakery that does breakfast, um, which is, has been closed, which just happened to open today. So it's it's like a oasis out in the middle of about 20, 30 miles from where I'm at in the middle of nowhere. And it's called Lighthouse. And I'll be heading over there this morning on my birthday, which is be awesome, to have uh, breakfast with my parents, which is going to be great. Before we get going, I just want to touch on a couple of things. Um, obviously, we have some great sponsors, and one of those is empshield.com. You, you can use your promo code over there to get $50 off, free shipping, 
Plus, right now, if you buy two of the two of the items, you get site wide. You get ten percent off, which is fantastic. Uh, really, we're dealing with psychopath elites. Let's be real, and we're going to talk about what one of the great articles I come across this morning, which I think is right in line with what I would want for a birthday wish. And the fact is that they're going to do everything they can to cover up who they are and the disgusting nature of who they are. So be prepared. That's bottom line. You know, you just have to make sure that you're vigilant right now. And, and I, I really mean this in, in the trueness of my heart. I want people to be prepared. I think we've, we've talked about this for so long. And we're really seeing the culmination of insanity right now at a level that we frankly couldn't imagine. And these elites are throwing everything they can at it. And um, it's pretty evident that they're going to try to break it, make a breaking point. That makes it very difficult for society to function and stay together. And so it's right now more than ever we have to stay together and stay focused on what we're trying to accomplish, which is eliminate the evil and reset this world in terms of kingdom. So head on over, and that's all that said, head on over to empshield.com. Check out these devices that will help you protect from an EMP, level one, two, three, lightning strikes, or solar flares. Buy two or more and get an additional 10% off. You're going to get $50 off with your BARDS code and free shipping. So there you go, B-A-R-D-S. Okay. There's something about birthdays that I was giving some thought to this morning kind of my nature of things. To be honest with you, I'm not an exceptionally good receiver of gifts. I, I'd much rather give, but that's not really the nature of the way God works. Because as we give, we have to learn to receive. And so it's just, that's kind of the way that I've always had this duality in my life. Um, but one of the things I want to talk about this morning, and it's really what I, is this being my, birthday show and I was giving some thought to this this morning as I was making my coffee it's like what would you want to talk about in your show if this is if this was the most important show and I think ultimately that's the statement right there every show is but today being the nature of where we are heading into the in, at the beginning of 2024 there is there are also always a couple core beliefs that I would want to pray for, and we're going to do a lot of pray, praying in the show today. And on the top two of that list would be the children, and the second one would be the unmasking of these evil people so people could see clearly what they were dealing with. We can't force people to wake up. We want to. And as much as we'd like to take them at times and shake them, and you know me very well, I'd be the first in line to do that probably with a cattle prod in my hand to help along. The fact is that people have to make their own decision to come to an awakening, just like they have to decide to come to Jesus. But one thing about truth is that truth is an amazing way of allowing that to happen. And when people see truth, once they get past the initial shock, they begin to right their own ship because deep within us, I truly believe that most people are good. And truth has a way of separating us from the influences of darkness, whether it's demonic or, or accumulated scars from whatever effect that we've had in our life. Truth literally does set us free. And then that's the next step of how do you take people from that moment into delivering them into the glory of kingdom. And that ultimately rests on us. So in this fight, when I, I look across this war, and I've used those terms for coming up this, by the way, this will be our fifth year coming into this spring. This will be our fifth year, um, which is very special. As I, I look across these last four and a half, almost five years, in fairness, it's four and a half years. There's, I look at this landscape, and I have looked at this landscape from the very beginning as a war zone. And the war zone is, is dynamic, 
It doesn't have fixed lines. It's moving in and around us. We're literally, we're literally behind enemy lines. And we're literally in that place of having to navigate around an enemy that's morphing and adapting and, and throwing things at us every which way. And there really is no way to protect yourself unless you're encased in the body of Christ. And as this, you look at this landscape and I see this landscape, I see more light now than I've ever seen. Beacons of light, strength in, the, in our relationship with God. And a resolve of the fire of what should be known as the patriot fire in our nation that truly wants to preserve something. And I think at the heart of that is our children. The tragedy is it took so much and there's been so much damage done to our children along the way. But I'm also of a true belief that as we lean into that humbly and we pray into that, I do believe that God anoints us with the gifts and the talents, the authorities to truly be able to heal those that have been injured and, and wounded in this battle. And that includes those that have been victimized by the torturous surgeries to try to remove the identity of who they are in terms of gender, and restore them to the glory of kingdom. I, I would say that, and actually very emotionally, I would say that I'm asking every person on this day, on this day, which is for me just a special day because it was the day that I was brought into this world, my birthday wish, top on the list, believe that that is possible. Believe that you have the authority to change the world. Believe that with God and the authorities given to us by Christ that we can heal these children and put your prayers into a place of asking God to truly give us the authorities to do just that. Because there's so many children out here that have been wounded and damaged. And we see this as we do healing. And as we see this in our healings that we do, in the deep healings and the deliverance what we witness is the sufferings of adults that have been wounded as children. And those legacies don't go away easily. And sadly, it leads adults astray into doing and making decisions that are just very wrong. And it then allows us to try to point the finger at the adult as if the adult itself is often criminal when we have to be able to go to the root to find out what the cause was and it's typically something to do with something that happened in their childhood. Again, like we've talked so many times, accountability has to be established across an entire spectrum. We can't detach. While we can hate the sin and love the sinner, that doesn't remove accountability from what the sinner has done. And so it's essential that we keep our eyes focused that we have the ability to heal and bring accountability into this world, and it only takes a remnant. So I want to begin today's show just with a prayer towards that of our children. Father God, I just want to bring to you this morning the, um, the burden that we carry in this nation of the damage that has been done to children uncounted numbers that we can't even imagine or fathom, with horrors that are beyond description and the legacy of pain that it permeates across every levels in our society. Father, we're, I'm asking on this day as a prayer for those to accept, a prayer for the anointings of gifts and authorities and tools of war, they can be placed upon the hearts of those that are eager to seek and step into this place to truly believe in the power of kingdom in this world to resurrect and restore this nation in the glory that you intended. Father, I'm praying today for those, for those weapons of war, heavenly weapons of war, to be gifted to the hearts and to our, to our means in this time that we can truly heal the children through prayer, through supplication, through repentance, 
of the power and glory of what we can speak in the spoken word and the Holy Spirit can flow through us to witness the miracles of the living God and let us be those vehicles to do just that, Father. To heal the scars, the emotional and, and deep scars that children carry when they've been damaged, to heal the physical wounds when they have been abused, and to restore their bodies as they've been mutilated in surgeries. Father, to pour in the love of Jesus into children, that we would be given that ability literally to stand before them and to let the children see through us and see Christ himself, as in a greater works, to be able to be touched with the glory of kingdom in such a magnificent way that the hearts of the children spark again, that the joy that they were intended to have lights again, that the innocence that they were given is restored again, and the damage done to them is, is made new, and the, the legacies of all that they carry erased to not be burdens but be strengths, to be keys to open a future that they then can become great leaders and great voices in this world for the love of Jesus. Father, we have failed so miserably in this nation to protect our children. And so on this day, I also pray for the blessings of as we move forward into this year, to make this a year when our focus, our emphasis continues to raise up the mightiness of, of your children, the little ones, to rescue, to heal, and to restore, and to lift them up in the glory of all that's kingdom, to provide us with the resources, the many ranges of resources, to be able to build the places that they can come to assemble the people that will be able to pray and to heal them, to create the spaces where they can once again be restored to the glory and perfection as they were as they came into this world, to provide hope for them, to lift them up in such a glorious way that we truly leave this time not with damages but with the ability to overcome what the enemy thinks is impossible, but to rather to be, make it so possible and so inspiring that no one will ever question again who the one God is, the true God, the God of miracles, and the God of hosts. So, Father, we bless our children today, and we bless our children both with the, the prayers of protection around them our, our, and the prayers of lifting up their hearts in the glory of kingdom, as well as the, the blessings that we ask for in the name of Jesus to be able to truly have the weapons of war that will rescue, heal, and restore. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. There is so much to that, and it's something that I literally think about almost every day, is the ability to walk into that space so prophetically and so profoundly and, and so empowered in the kingdom and in the word that it's marinated so deep within us that speaking the power of life into the world becomes something that is like every time we speak it, the earth shakes. This is a time that I'm in the process right now, which I'm really going to benchmark it today. Something that God put on my heart about 11 days ago, in fact. And so just because of the nature of schedules, and what he told me to do was to read the Bible in the month of January. And I know for some people that you can probably like, wow, really? But there's something important about this, and I prayed on this a lot. And so really, like going from today, which I've, I've been reading out of the Founder's Bible, but to really push this, by the end of January, I'm going to have read the entire Bible. And this is a different type of reading, and I want to encourage you to consider this, because sometimes we like to sit with the Word, and we like to marinate on the words, and we like to reflect and pray on the words, but sometimes you just have to pray into things. Sometimes you have to listen to what God says in the way it says, he just says, go. And this is a case where in the Bible, he just said, go, read it. And it became so evident when he put that on my heart that what he needed me to do was to move quickly not hesitate, keep moving, but let him put the words in that I needed for now. But I needed to go through the whole thing again. 
that's speaking to me an urgency of this time. And an urgency which I think we all have and we all feel if we're going to be honest. And so it's a, it's a time right now to get into the word and to pull that word as deep and as hard as you can within you and to fill your heart with it and let God imprint it upon you. Let us not sometimes, we do this so much, and we, we literally try to, to do the things that we think that only a certain process will do. As an example, we, we sometimes feel that we can only learn the Bible if we read it over and over and over. And there was a prophetic that I listened to that literally had the entire AMP Bible memorized, and I'm not exaggerating. He, he could quote from any scripture in AMP, which if you know that version, is, is the most difficult version because it's got so much additional text put into define words and, and passages. And he literally had it memorized from front to back. And I asked him about that, and he, he said, it was simple. He said, I just asked God to allow me to memorize the scripture, and I read the Bible. And as I read the Bible with that in my heart, it just, the passages I needed stayed there. And then over time, he's just built up this unbelievable depth of knowledge, which has been the whole Bible in his heart. This is a time right now when we need those words that God needs us to have. And so as I push hard now to, to complete reading the entire Bible by the end of, of January, which just started a few days ago, and I'll accomplish it, it's allowing God to put the words into me that he knows that I need in this time. And then to go back through over the year to do it again, but not necessarily quite as fast. But again, to keep that saturation going within me. To let God point to those scriptures and let God lift up those words that I need. So that as we enter into this time, which is such a critical year, and it is a critical year. We'll be able to have that which we need as we face off with the enemy. 2024 is a turning point. And it's a critical point right now in our walk of reclaiming what we gave away and what the enemy stole. And the enemy is doing everything it can to paint these pictures of doom. It wants pictures of civil war. It wants pictures of breaking up. It wants pictures of hatred. It wants pictures of division. It wants pictures of hate, of, of this legacy of, of cultural and generational scars to be present in all of us. And these are all things that the enemy itself created, and they want us to own them, and they want us to embrace them. This enemy is defined by an enemy like this happened in New York. This is the type of enemy we have where underneath the Jewish synagogue there are tunnels and when they tried to explore the tunnels the, the members of the synagogue became violent because they knew what was there. They were protecting what they were doing. And these tunnels went underneath New York. And what did they find in these tunnels? Mattresses with blood stains, and they found that the tunnels arrived under the Children's Museum. And they want you to believe that this isn't what it seems like. They always want you to look another way. They want to hide what they're doing with anger and violence, like you're violating our private space. These are sick people. And they use various religious titles and monikers to hide themselves in plain sight. And worse yet, to corrupt a pulpit, to lead a nation astray. They want us to bring our young men and women into the Middle East to fight a war for their cabal of hatred and of, of sacrifice under a, a country by the name of Israel, which so many Christian churches have just blindly followed and submitted to because they don't use prayer to see. They use their brain to see, which Satan has already corrupted. And that's not God's way. God's way is to see into the heart. And as we embrace how God sees into the heart, we start to see the truth. We see victims in Israel, which are many of the people that have been 
victimized by a government that has brainwashed them to believing that they are an elite group of people, that they deserve to be treated better than everybody else, that everyone else in, the, in, God's, in God's kingdom is lesser than them. This is a lie. These are the same people that won't allow you to speak Jesus on the street in Israel, which is supposed to be the most sacred place for Christians. So that should tell us everything. And so in this era right now, more than anything, is the unmasking. And this was the article I came across this morning. The establishment is unmasking itself, which is exactly what we needed to do. This is a... I'm just going to read a bit from the article. If the 21st century has been a war to preserve the establishment's legitimacy, the current battle in the United States is the 2024 presidential election. There is truth to the familiar cliche that the next election is always the most important in history. As the federal government grows, spends more of our money, and intrudes more on our daily lives, the stakes of elections get higher and higher. That still holds true in 2024, but there is much more going on. The organization in society, which is, which is the, the anatomy of the state, is, a, uh, is an article. After defining the state as the organization in society which attempts to maintain a monopoly of the use of force and violence in a given territorial area, the author dedicates a chapter to how states preserve themselves. Here's a quote from his book. While force is the ruling class's modus operandi, their basic and long-run long problem is ideological. For in order to continue in office, any government, not simply a democratic government, government must have the support of the majority of the subjects. This support, it must be noted, need not be active enthusiasm. It may well be passive resignation, as if to an inevitable law of nature. Therefore, the chief task of rulers is always to secure the active or resigned acceptance of the majority of its citizens. The U.S. has been a country that has been the center of the evil of the world, not the center of land of liberty and freedom. American citizens have been given a, a, an enormous amount of lay, overlay of propaganda to believe that we are the land of the free and the brave. And in so doing, have lulled us to a comfortable sleep as the military, which is voluntary, no longer mandatory, is put together to go organize and to fight wars for the cabal, which the cabal uses to remind America that the world needs cleaning. The world needs to be made like us. The world needs to have somebody fight for the good of evil when, in fact, we're just slaughtering countries and forcing them into compliance of a debt system. That burden and that legacy in a nation has to be addressed before the throne. That acceptance of every one of us at the end of the day, that we went along with these games, we own a piece of that in repentance. And that repentance is the repenting heart that we bring to a nation, that we repent for what we have owned. And at the same time, we pray in repentance for a nation. That's the intercessory part, that we intercede on behalf of those that don't see this, to pray for them and to ask God for forgiveness for the things that have been done. It isn't to diminish the heroism that was put forth, though misguided by so many, but it is to awaken the reality of the blood burdens that we carry. Because as with Christ and all is in the blood, we have spilled our blood across the world for the cabal's motives, not for the right of good. And it's a big difference. The scriptural stories of war are ultimately that when we see these, to name a few, Gideon, Jericho, with Joshua, or even Moses and his battles, those, those wars spread, shed blood, but it was blood that God led his people to need to shed for the sake of kingdom. We've, this distortion of war that we've accepted, it somehow, especially in the 21st century, or the 20th century, excuse me, the 20th century has been phenomenal. And then even into the 21st century, 
just the idea that we have to wage constant and perpetual war because the world is so evil that we can't survive without it. All the while spending trillions of dollars on defense and neglecting an infrastructure and a people because we're always trying to project outward. That's not us. That's the cabal that's doing that to us. And yet we accept. It's one of these things I talked about earlier in the week when we talk about the principles of this 231 signatories on this letter of accountability to the military, Department of Defense. And it's important to understand that the core of that is a reset that says that the military needs to get back to a constitutional republic military. That is a military of, by and for the people. Which means the military at a certain point has a voice and has a vote. If you listen to politicians and you listen to the legalese and and the corporations, they're going to tell you that the military needs to be obedient to whatever the policies and rules of the United States are. That's where our problem begins because it's the same replication of people being obedient to a pulpit or being obedient to a government. The government is not God. The government is a government of and for and by the people. And the problem is that as the government has grown in its size of this behemoth, expanded its reach into every aspect of our lives, those that have the jobs, and there may be some that listen to this show, but if I say to you, I'm going to cut government, the first thing that comes to so many people's mind is, how will that affect me? If I say we're going to cut government, if I'm talking to an elderly person, they're going to say, will that affect my retirement and my social security? If I talk to somebody who's working in a situation where they need government-paid health care, they're going to say, what does that mean for me? If I talk to somebody who's on welfare and subsistence, living in government housing, they're going to ask, what does that mean for me? What am I going to lose? Am I going to be on the street? If I talk to somebody who's working in government agencies, they're going to say, yeah, but my job has to be preserved. By virtue of creating dependency within our government and expanding it so much, to where we the people have willfully accepted this nonsense. We've taken a great nation and we've all willfully been part of turning it into a welfare cancer to where it's self-perpetuating in me and the me culture and we forgot the reason that this nation was set up. We, the people. It never, there was never me and we. This is the moral reset that is going to have to happen in this nation for us to get somewhere. And that means that we have to start coming to grips with the hard realities that we all have to carry something and we all have to start facing hard truths. When we talk about the family and we go to the root of that and to see the reaction of people when we talk about Aleister Crowley or Margaret Stanger or Kinsey, and we start to see how they corrupted the system, how they tortured children to create studies to enhance or to, I should say, corrupt the nature of how we see relationships so they become purely physical and sexual, and there's no spiritual, to where relationships themselves water down now to the practices of sex in the, in the room, in the bedroom, to where people want to not have children, but rather have pleasure, and they seek that. And then the justifications that come around that, to realize that God gave us the gift of creation. He didn't tell us to stop at a certain number. And how uncomfortable that makes people feel. Some of it's guilt. Some of it's just they don't want to let go of things. And they can't imagine not having certain things in their lives. Pleasure-wise, they can't imagine stripping it away. These are This is about accountability for before the kingdom and before the throne. All of these things are. And so we get the defenses. We'll say, well, and whatever that is, we can say that they're going to say, well, government, it doesn't say that in Scripture. It doesn't say that in Scripture. And as I always say is watch the enemy. See what the enemy does. And if the enemy's pushing hard on something, you can guarantee it is not what God wants. When the enemy is pushing hard on abortion, I guarantee you, it's pretty simple. God does not want abortion. When the enemy's pushing hard for gender surgeries, you can guarantee that God does not want his children having its gender changed. If the enemy's pushing hard for birth control, you can guarantee that God is not promoting birth control. I don't need scripture to prove it. 
when we fall into a doctrinal trap so often, especially in this day when the pulpit has been so corrupted, people want to see the proof because they don't believe and don't have a relationship with the living God. And they can't imagine a God that is that would actually be so holds people to such accountability. And this is a time when we need people to accept accountability, which means every one of us has to bring that accountability into our home at all levels. We have to get back to a core root of accountability that we understand in this war, the things that we do make a difference in how we win. The things that we accept that are sinful make a difference in how we win. And we have to be speaking to God. We have to be communicating with God. And we have to lift ourselves up before God and own who we are. God God knows our heart. The question is, are we courageous enough to show God our heart so that he can see that we can truly be accountable and repentant? This enemy is is evil. There's no question about it. And I think so much of the problem is, is we struggle with these concepts that we're unworthy. And the enemy loves this. If I was the enemy and I could convince a nation of people that they were unworthy, I've already won the game because I don't have to do anything. I just have to let them waller in their misery and not meet their full potential. God doesn't, our God never sacrificed his only son because we were unworthy. He sacrificed his son knowing that we were imperfect, but to bring us into a new level of, of anointing if we would accept his son and through his son reach him through Christ to the Father. And he realized our shortcomings of the corruption since the fall. But even when we go back to the garden, God did not kick out Adam and Eve. He didn't just boot them one day to the next. He came in to discover them and clothe them and then sent them into the world. It's pretty amazing. He's a loving and nurturing God, but he's also a God of wrath. And we haven't seen that heavy-handedness of of that God of wrath. We don't want to see it because I think people... Ultimately, in their hearts, they know that they could be part of that wrath. So don't be. Be honest before the throne. Accepting Christ in our walk is just the beginning. It's not the end. But the problem we get in when we get into Revelation theology and we start to expect Christ to return to fix it all is all people have in their mind is, I accepted Christ, I need to go to church to make sure every week I'm tuned up and I've got nothing left to do except wait while the church gets taken over by LGBTQ, while the pedophiles run the nation, while men and women get shipped to war and churches rally around their death and their blood in the Middle East because somehow it's supposed to be the great holy war that we're fighting, so this is a glorious time to die. It's like Viking mentality. It's ridiculous. I shall die for Thor. But we don't do that. We're going to say we're going to die for Christ. I don't see anywhere in there it says that you're supposed to die for Christ. Like, I shall run into the fields and I shall kill another creation of God in the flesh. I shall kill them and feel good about it and be sent to the glory halls of heaven under the name of Jesus. That's like the biggest lie going, and that's the translation to a lot of what you're hearing in the church. Our greatest force in this this world is love. And love ranges a span of things that isn't a single word. It's one of the most simple words, four letters in English, that is so loaded that we would literally need an entire Bible, and we do, by the way, need an entire Bible to explain it. That's how complex and and embedded love is. We know that love is the passions of the Song of Solomon. We know that love is the the gloriful place of loving thy brother, brother to such a degree that you'll lay your life down. We know that love is David stepping before the army to slay Goliath and cut off his head with his own sword, by the way, Goliath's sword. We know that love is Gideon telling 30,000 people to go home and to keep 300 and stand against an army and blow horns and break pots of light. We know that love is praying around a city for seven days called Jericho 
And on the seventh time, on the seventh day, having the walls fall in God's hand and slaying every man, woman, and child. We also know that love is healing, allowing the sick to be healed, allowing those with polio to be healed and leprosy to be healed. I should say being crippled rather than polio, crippled. That those are bound with chains and demons to be freed. We know this is real. This is love. Love is standing between the accuser with stones and the adulteress and, and being able to set them both free with accountability without a single harm being done. Love is flipping tables in the, in the courtyard of the temple while pulling out a whip and whipping people out of the courtyard. All these things are love. Love is standing before an army as Peter cuts off the ear and, and healing the, that, the, what Peter just did and then accepting that his next walk is to sacrifice himself for the greater good. Love is walking down the street of all the people that were praising you and worshiping you the week before, now spitting on you and throwing things at you, cheering your sacrifice. That's love, being able to do all of that. So love's not a simple word. And love in the world of men is mighty, it's greater than all of this because it steps us up into a place where we see things greater. We can dig into 1 Corinthians 13 and talk of love. We can talk about 1 John 3 and talk of love. We can go to Psalms, Psalms like 113 and talk of love. All of these things, love, we can do this. Every bit of this we can do, but we have to live it. And living love is truly stepping into a greater place to where we have to accept the deepest accountability for the world in which we are at, to look at what we have and to realize that nothing around us we take with us. There's only one question we have to ask ourselves to get effectively into kingdom. Did we learn how to love? If we live with that question and answer that question, we've accomplished something truly great in this world. Did we learn how to love? And that isn't love in terms of marriage. That's the love in terms of the way God loves in this world. Did we learn how to love? And our nation right now is missing that to a large degree. Because when we start to translate love into hatred or love into wanting to kill another or love into fear and all the responses that go with fear, we're missing everything. In the hour in which we live, there's a we're being flooded with an enemy that's trying to seed itself in such a way that it will tear us down from within. In the hour in which we live, we are dealing with controlling forces that are using every lever they have, every mechanism they have to structure a situation that there is no possible way that the, we, the people, can ever rise again. Whether it's a new pandemic, whether it's the transgender movement, whether it's the existing damage of the vax, whether it's the use of military assets to have such overwhelming firepower that they can crush and do anything they want to people. All we have to do is look at Lahaina and see what their capacity is to destroy innocent lives. Or just look at Paradise, California and watch what they've done over years with directed energy weapons to just ravage people's lives. So they have tools. But the question we failed to ask Enough is, if they have all these tools and if they have all this capacity, then why are they still having to fight us? Why is it that they still are having to figure out how to subdue us? And the answer is, they're not as strong as they let you believe. The answer is that they have nothing compared to God. The answer is that this is a clown show that's getting in our head that wants us to believe that we are weaker when we are greater. The answer is that we are the children of the Most High that have been put to sleep, and it's time that we wake up. And it's time that we step into this world and defeat an enemy, not because we can wield a harder sword or a bigger chunk of steel, but because we can stand before them and wield the most powerful sword ever created, which is the sword of the Spirit, which wields it with the mightiness and nobility of love that crushes an enemy before you and leaves them weeping because they have to face truly whom they truly serve. 
and the errors of their ways and the sins which they have done, and to understand truly that the consequence of their life has led them to a place that everything that they have built in, every bit that they have seeded into this world has nothing to do with the riches in heaven, but has to do with the wealth of this earth that they will never take with them. And what is left after the fires of refinement and the dross is burned off is so small and infinite that they themselves will live an infinite in, live into infinity, having gained nothing on this earth. That's the power of love. And that's the power that right now we need to be walking in, in this anointment to say, we are here, this is who we are, fearlessly standing before an enemy, leaning on Christ, praying into this hour, and realizing that everything that they want is for us to be divided and to be conquered by our own hand. Because they don't create, they mimic and they mock. They, they manipulate in such a way that they use our authorities to give them authorities. And so we just have to say no. But we say no by walking in the yes and saying yes to God. And as we say yes to God, we say yes to love. We say yes to the great things of faith and the power of faith. And so in this hour, right now, on this day, it's as if we, are, we should take a step. And I'm just taking this step. I've taken it, but I want you to take it with me. To take a step into the darkest place you can ever imagine. When I say dark, I'm talking about no light. A place that when you step in, you cannot see your hand before your face. You lose orientation to whether it's left or right or you came from behind you. You can't even tell what direction you're going. It's that dark of a place. No light. You can't see yourself. You can't see anything before you. And it's so heavy in darkness that it's almost deafening on the ears. Except for one voice. And the voice of God. Walk with me into this place. Put yourself in this place. And now submit yourself to the Lord and say, God, I'm here. And no matter where you point me, no matter where I take, wherever I go, I will have faith in you to such a degree that every step and every breath will be that of your guidance, that I submit and that I am truly in a moment of walking, of true submission to you and your will that I strip away all fear, all fear. And I know that where I'm at is the glorified place that you need me to be in this moment, to celebrate and be in this world, in this moment in time, without the concerns of the morrows and without the anchors and burdens of the pasts. That I let that go. That I look forward, not with eyes of beckoning to know what the future is, but I look forward just not having to worry anymore because I'm here with you. And to walk that amazing place now that as he puts us in places, everything that's put before us, we pursue with the excellence that he desires to put on our heart. And we pursue it aggressively and mightily. And we question not and abide more. And we have trust in him to such a degree that we know that no matter what obstacles before us, we can almost laugh at it because we know we will overcome it. And we know that whatever we face around us that seems threatening and noisy, whatever monster comes out from underneath the bed or the things that go bump at night, whatever that is, there's no fear in your heart. There's joy, joy of confidence and joy of overcoming. No matter what you face in your relationship that seems impossible, the challenges of money, the challenges of a, a discord that leaves you in an argument, the challenges that makes your heart sink and feel like the world is over, you step into that place with God and he reminds you that he has all things in, under control. The God of the infinite that can see all possibilities when we can't see past one. And that's why we lean in. And in that place where we walk in the darkness of this faith, it is the greatest, there is more light there than we've ever imagined. Because we let go of seeing with our eyes and we let ourselves see with his we let go of hearing with our ears and we allow ourselves to hear with his. And there, the entire world opens up. An amazing place. An amazing freedom, an amazing liberty, an amazing unburdening of our world. And we're lifted up. And it's there that all things go away. And when we truly accept that place and that walk, it is such a, a freeing place, but it's like we're stepping out of our own skin into a new birth. We are truly being reborn in him. There's your glory. 
and there's nothing the enemy can do. There's zero the enemy has on you, nothing. I don't care whether it's threat or coercion or physical abuse. At the end of the day, when we walk in that place, the enemy has nothing on us. We are spiritual beings first, physical second. We were given life eternal with, with the sacrifice and the blood on the cross. What more would we want other than now having the ability to come here and be here in this time, in this place, to war against this enemy with the authorities given to us by Jesus himself, to use those authorities to war against this enemy, to destroy their fortresses and break their strongholds, and to free as everybody that we come in contact with. It is the greatest rescue mission of all time. And we do it with a fearless heart. And with a fearless heart, we literally walk in the most amazing level of peace and love one could ever comprehend. The magic sauce, so to speak. I guess I should say the secret sauce, right? What's the equation? And it's not difficult, and we know it's not. Take the challenge. And so that's my birthday request. Take the challenge. Step into the darkness of faith. Let go of everything and trust in him so much and so deeply and love our Father so much and so deeply that everything around the world you let go of and all you hear and see is the world by his eyes. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today humbled and blessed and just pray in a blessing today of trust in faith and power of love to truly step into a loving place with you and a trusting place in you that is so profound and so overwhelming and so complete and total that we totally surrender ourselves to everything in you and through you. Letting go of our worries, stepping away from news, not trying to worry about the morrows, getting rid of the pictures of fear and horror that are supposed to be raining down upon us because an enemy has nothing left but to create clamorings of swords when there is no war. And to trust every time this happens to go deeper into you. And to walk in that place of such comfort and such control, such a surety, that our feet are so deeply rooted in the rock of faith that there's nothing that can shake us because every time they try, we turn deeper into you. To keep our focus on the word, to marinate deeply within the text of scripture, to let that soak in within us, to read it and to read it again, and to let you imprint upon us those critical things that we need in this hour, to trust in you. To get rid of the no's and the doubts and the things that I can't and replace it with the yes, I will, Lord, and walk truly in the yes. And to make this a daily process of stripping away that, those things which burden us, repenting for those things that we don't know we do wrong, asking for clarity of those things that we did wrong, but we don't know what we've done in sin, to repent daily, to restore ourselves daily, to lift up daily, mightily, and to continue this walk, as Christ said to the adulteress, go and sin no more. So Father God, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this incredible assembly and fellowship of people that now reaches across the world. And may your love shake them to such a degree, and all of us to such a degree, that we're left with only one thing, to release ourselves from the bonds and chains of this world and turn ourselves more deeply into you and to never question or vary from that path and know that in all things you have us, you'll guide us, and we will never lose our trust or faith in you. That we shall love beyond any measure of understanding in all aspects of love and in the end be victorious in this fight. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. Well, patriots, have a very blessed day. It's a blessed, it's a great day to celebrate. Celebrating the love of our Father. Celebrating the fact that this war is not complicated unless we make it so. Celebrating the fact that he gave us the authorities to conquer this enemy. All we have to do is have faith in him. 
celebrating the fact that Christ gave victory. Now it's our turn to bring victory into this earth. And we have it all. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight. For Bards FM, we also have Brighton TV today at 2 p.m. Pacific if you want to tune in there. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push, we climb, we never give in, we become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray, we stand, we live by the words, in God we trust, we fear nothing, we are the light that can never be extinguished. 
We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.